umgoblue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And we're going to talk about Michigan's beatdown of Northern Illinois by a score of 63-10. to 10. Just, wow, a, a, a callback to the games of yesteryear where Michigan would just put a beating on uh, a minor opponent. It was good to see. Um, it was interesting. Blake Corum had a huge day on the ground, and he had a little bit to say. I think this is a good start, but once again, we haven't really done much yet. Uh, it was definitely a great win against a, a good team um, in the mat. But, uh, you know, right now it's just about this big 10 play that's coming up. We're going to keep our head down, keep pushing, keep getting better every week, every practice, and uh, go forward. All right, front left here to Angelique. Like just off of that, you know, you said you haven't done much. Aiden said that after the first game. Is that sort of a mantra for this team? I mean, I feel like we can always improve on something. Um, you know, we're going to celebrate this win today, but uh, tomorrow is over with. It's about the new week. It's about Rutgers. And uh, going forward, you know, um, there's a long season ahead of us. That's only three games, and we got to put those behind us. And we just got to learn from our mistakes that we made today and uh, keep better in the things that we did did good. I mean, uh, we played really, really good today. But, you know, uh, there's always room to improve. And when you want to be perfect, I mean, you look at those small mistakes and you just want to fix them, you know. So, like, we're going to go back to the film uh, tomorrow and Monday fix our mistakes, and like I say, you know, get ready for this Big Ten play, get ready for Rutgers Saturday. As you can see, uh, we're having a lot of fun. You know, we're all cheering each other up. We're all happy for each other's success, offense and defense, and we talk to each other throughout the game. So, you know, we're having a blast. And that's what the game of football is about. It's about having fun. It's about doing, uh, doing the things that you love to do with your brothers. And so uh, that's what we're doing so far, and I can't wait to see. Uh, it's just going to keep building every week. So, Clint, what did you think about – uh, Blake Corum's performance on Saturday. You know he's been very, very, very impressive. I, um, you know, I thought that he looked explosive last year. The speed was immediately evident. Um, I thought it was impressive last year that they trusted him to be on the field the first snap of the game against Minnesota. You know, but this year he is so much better between the tackles. His vision is clearly very, um, very much improved. Uh, maybe maybe Mike Hart as a running back coach has uh, something to do with that. Maybe it's just uh, from year one to year two growth, but he is really seeing the offense in real time much better. And, and I think a big part of that also is I think the offensive line is playing much better, that the holes are bigger, easier to see. And uh, in turn, he's, he's really uh, showing that burst at the second level. But also he's uh, – you know, as you heard Harbaugh say, he's really a hard worker. You know, you can see physically uh, how much stronger he's gotten, and he runs. He runs very powerfully in between the tackles. Doesn't lose much uh, speed um, when he changes direction. Right, a lot of lower body strength, and uh, really, really good balance. So, regardless of what's going on um, in terms of contact, he he manages to kind of keep moving forward and can always. Uh, you know, change direction even even in the midst of uh, kind of being surrounded with uh, with tacklers. So he, he's been extremely impressive. I, I don't think it's a surprise that Harbaugh started with his name. He is he has absolutely been the star of the show through through three games. His stats are just 
incredible so far. 48 attempts, 408 yards gained. He's only lost one yard on one run, right? Um, averaging 8.5 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. I mean, and averaging 135.7 yards per game. So it's interesting because he's, you know, again, having a monster season so far a quarter of the way through. And, you know, when I look at Hassan Hoskins' stats, 281 yards, averaging 5.7 yards per carry, four touchdowns. If you told me heading into the season that that would be our top rusher, I would be ecstatic. And his stats are just eclipsed by just the amazing uh, performance that Blake Corb has put together so far. Yeah, I agree. I think they've been very happy with um, with both guys. And, and even you know the third running back, Donovan Edwards, has looked uh, like a really nice combination of both Haskins and, and Corum. He showed uh, some burst this past Saturday and uh, you know scored on a long run. I think it was a 58-yarder. And has also been, you know, strong in between the tackles and, and, and in there amongst the linebackers. So all three of those guys have really, really taken a step forward individually. They all have uh, unique skill sets that, that kind of complement each other. Um, Josh Gaddis and Mike Hart have really found a, a rhythm and um, specific roles for each one of those guys to play. So right now they're all kind of bouncing off of each other and, and creating energy. And, and when one guy comes out and the other one goes in, you can tell that there's, they maintain a lot of, uh, a lot of the positive momentum. There's no drop off um, in any given situation. So it's, it's really ideal. It's really ideal. And, you know, we'll see, you know, as the season evolves, we'll certainly see how much of it is, is uh, the running backs and the offensive line executing, the offense or, or these defenses are, are um, you know, below standard. But, you know, Washington, I think, is really a legitimately good defensive unit. Um, so there's at least one really solid defense in these first three weeks that, um, you know, Michigan is just rolling up 300-plus yards of, of rushing per game, and it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing right now. So you talk about the stats of the third-string guy, right? So looking at the, the stats top to bottom, you have Blake Corum with 407 yards so far this season, 8.5 yards per carry. You have Hassan Hoskins, 281 yards, 5.7 yards per carry. Donovan Edwards, 118 or 117 yards, 7.8 yards per carry. Then you have A.J. Henning, who's got 100 yards and averaging 50 yards per carry. You know, thanks to that really huge run he had. So, again, it's just great to see the team said that they were putting a real emphasis on the running game. And, you know, um, you and I have talked about this. When you hear um, the coaches and the players talk in in the camp, there are things that they kind of say year in and year out, and it really only matters what they do on the field. So we heard a lot of discussion and a lot of um, talk about how they were emphasizing the run game and they really wanted to make a difference uh, and and kind of reconstitute Michigan being dominant on the ground. And gosh, through three games, they they definitely are. Yeah, and I 
did we, we've talked before about you know in the wake of Ed Warner not being retained this last offseason on the offensive line and really kind of being surprised by that you know I think you and I both a little bit you know raised some eyebrows I wonder what's going on there and uh when Sharon Moore took over and took uh you know a kind of got a promotion and a title increase to uh you know co-offensive coordinator and run game coordinator and I said then and and I, you know I've stuck with it now that I want to see where we can pull out of the stats and out of the even the advanced metrics where how this team and this offensive line compares to uh to years in the past and as of right now obviously you know they are just light years ahead of where Harbaugh's teams have been in the past. Um, right now, with when I take garbage time out of the metrics that you and I usually use to uh, to review the games, uh, Michigan is averaging you know almost almost half a point added per play per run play. You know, point four four six EPA expected points added um, is is just gigantic. The highest of any previous season that I have numbers for going back to 2016, the highest score that I have is back in 2016. It was 0.175. So, um, almost three times right now, almost 300% or 200% better than the previous high, um, efficiency and, and, and production in the run game, uh, for this unit under Sharon Moore. So I, um, there's small sample size problems there and, and, you know, some strength of schedule questions, um, you know, to be sure, but I, I will continue to update it as we continue through the uh, big 10 season here. And we'll see, I'm sure that there will be uh, a little bit of regression back towards, uh, you know, water finds its level kind of thing. But if, uh, if this team can, can keep producing like that in the run game, then the whole playbook is almost always open. They can do anything they want on any down if they know that they can go get four, five, and six yards a carry from from all three of those running backs. So the performance was was so dominant on Saturday. And I think you look at the scoreboard and you say, 63 to 10, wow, that was huge. Well, you look at it by quarter, right? Michigan scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, three touchdowns in the second quarter, four touchdowns in the third quarter. And at that point, um, Jim Harbaugh emptied the bench. And, uh, you know, as he mentioned in the postgame, 106 players participated. So when you see that 63 points, Michigan scored on nine consecutive possessions. And they pretty much took the fourth quarter off. So... Um, again, definitely, you know, reminded me of um, back in the day, the dominant Bo Schembechler teams in the 70s and 80s where they would play the uh, the lesser teams, the non-conference schedule, and even some of the lesser teams in the Big Ten and just put a thrashing on. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh had some, some great things to say about the team and about their expectations for the season and the post game. Very inspiring. Uh, the way the guys played, I mean, they're uh, playing so hard um, and just, yeah, really, really tremendous play. Um, I'll talk a little bit about some of the real 
real guys uh, they're standing out so much uh, and getting getting used to being good getting a lot of practice of being good Blake Horn uh, special player he uh, the way he trains in the offseason I can just describe that to you for a, a bit I mean uh, it's 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 all out all the time he is uh, uh, his endurance his strength um, I mean, he is like a stalker and 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 finding ways to get in the weight room. The door's always open and getting stronger and getting better. He's uh, it's, it's just from the day he got here, from the day he arrived on campus. It's just uh, just such a tremendous example of somebody that uh, has a, an amazing, tremendous work ethic. Yes. Going into the game, we, we wanted to uh, wanted to rush for two hundred yards. We wanted to pass for two hundred yards. Um, Felt like that, uh, you know, the timing's there. The uh, the execution's been there in practice uh, with Cade and with uh, CJ Cornelius Johnson, and uh, it's, it's it's so tremendous with Blake uh, and Hassan. And you talk about that kind of a, a tandem at running back. Um, you know, just each is so is so good, and then uh, adding Donovan in there and Donovan. Um, He's he's quite the back himself, uh, and, he, and he does a great job, uh, you know, with ball security. It's important to him. Some people are just better at that than other people. Uh, and he's he's really good at that. Uh, don't want to fall in love with your stuff. I mean, because you can get better, and um, you know, it's, it's kind of a race to see how good you can get. And uh, but you know, a lot of great things are going to happen when you're when you're when you're. Players are playing as hard as they are. I mean, good things happen. Energy, uh, you know, great energy. The ball finds it. Um, you know, whether that's as a, a defensive player or an offensive player, uh, you know, playing as hard as you can, as fast as you can, never, never giving up. I mean, all those, all those things. Uh, you know, I, I see in our team and, and the way they're playing, and and I would take that to the Big Ten season and, and what we've done to, to this point is. Uh, uh, good, but now it really, really starts counting. Jim, after each of the games, one of your players today with Blake says that the team hasn't done anything yet. Is that coming from them, or is that a message you give them after every game? Uh, I mean, that's, 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 yeah, I would say I, that's not, I haven't said they haven't done anything. I mean, I, they, they've done it. <laughs> yeah, they've done some stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then, you know, things that, that are good and you want to build on. Um, you know, now, but team does have big goals, and uh, and now that uh, you start playing for the championship and uh, the Big Ten championship, and you know, ultimately that's that's what they want to they want to achieve. And that starts next week. And you know, Clint, what I liked about what both Blake Corum and Jim Harbaugh. Um, said in in their statements is, listen, there are big goals for this season, right? They're, you know, you would think that after the season they had last year that was really disappointing, that some would say just getting your head above water would be a large enough goal. And, you know, hey, they, Jim Harbaugh said it, they're shooting for a championship. It starts, uh, you know, the conference championship run starts next week versus Rutgers. And, um, again, I, I think 
one of the things that struck me watching this game is that, you know, you alluded to it, that the offensive line is just tearing huge holes. And, and yes, this is a, a relatively um, lesser opponent. But, again, we've seen this, uh, you know, it stretches for all three games. And the offensive line, it's interesting because, you know, in the preseason, um, we heard that, oh, there's going to be eight linemen moving through, switching in and out. And when I hear that, generally, it's like when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback, right? It's if you don't have a dominant starter, then when you hear teams saying they're going to rotate two guys through, it's that nobody has seized the job. I have to say, watching the game tape, they are switching offensive linemen in and out, and there does not seem to be a drop-off. Now, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens as they as they slide into Big Ten play here. But we are seeing um, a dominant run game that we have not seen for two or three coaches here, right? I mean, and, and I think that's, um, you know, there was kind of a knock in the media the last couple of weeks of, oh, Jim Harbaugh is going back to uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Well, hey, if you get five or six yards in a cloud of dust or or a cloud of, of turf pellets, right, on the new surface, uh, that's going to be really compelling and really difficult for other teams to compete with. Yeah, they're really they're using the, the, the run game right now <clears throat> as a main, obviously, the, the, the foundation of this offense, but – it's not it, it's not as one dimensional as you would think. If you have uh, if you have an eye for for the offensive line and the plays that they're running, right? There are different uh, schemes and, and and different wrinkles that they are doing in the in the blocking schemes um, that make each play a little bit different. So every time a, a team has adjusted to Michigan's run game, then. Uh, Gaddis and Sharon Moore have been able to, uh, you know, implement a small adjustment, have different guys pull um, and, and influence or, or pull and kick out or pull and, and fold up inside of a hole and, and get out to the second level that all five of the guys, <clears throat> excuse me, all five of those guys across the front are, are so flexible um, in their in their ability to, to move and, and to block in space that there's still a lot of, of variation right now in what we're seeing. So I, I, I did hear somebody saying that it looked like they were just running dive plate, you know, um, straight up the middle. And, you know, it must be just a physical domination because you're just running dive, dive, dive and, and roll, rolling up 350 yards of, of rushing. And it's, it's more complicated than that for sure. Again, I, I don't want to get too much into the weeds but if you watch and check the numbers of those linemen that are pulling um it's almost like you know no two plays in a row are are the same either by direction or who is pulling or what their assignments are who's kicking out who is uh who's turning up and trying to go find a linebacker um so there's a lot of variation there and that's tough to prepare for for defensive coordinators because if you remember you know, those defensive players are all reading something that the offensive players, usually the offensive linemen or the backfield are doing, right? They've got keys that they're staring at at the snap. And if they see one thing, they have to do one assignment. If they see another thing, they have another assignment. So when, you know, the same play is coming with 
you know, two or three different blocking schemes and angles, um, it, it's really hard for those teams to adjust. And I think we're, we're seeing uh, really a, a masterful running game uh, install and, and, a, and a game plan through the first three games. Again, I think two of these defenses are, are inferior physically, and, and that would have been enough to, to roll up a lot of running, rushing yards. But, you know, those guys from Washington, their two interior tackles are both over 300 pounds. And, you know, I think Washington, the reason they never brought their safeties up into the box is because they thought eventually that, you know, those 300-pound tackles were going to be able to stop uh, Michigan's offensive linemen from getting the movement that they did, and the opposite happened. You know, the the tackles and guards blocking down on those nose guards, man, just just absolutely blew uh, every defensive lineman that they've seen. They've blown them totally off of the ball, sometimes two, three, and four yards down the field, and uh, it makes for just absolutely huge holes for for those running backs. You know, and you made a good point. It's not just the totals, it's how it's being done. And if you watch the line play, one of the things that makes it really difficult for a defender, and, and you know, just starting from scratch, right, the offense always has an advantage. They know when, they know how, they know where, right? Defenders are always kind of behind the eight ball. Well, when you add an offensive line, that is attacking not only the, the down linemen and, and the guys right up front from different directions and different perspectives, but then also attacking the next level, right? You almost get the linebackers with their head on a swivel because they don't know where they're going to get hit from. And it, it's, it's, it's a clinic, okay? And, and like you said, it's, it's lesser opponents. But, but let's be honest, this is what you're supposed to do. Right. If if you are a talented team, you are supposed to dominate. And I think when I look at this game heading into it, you know, in the preview podcast, I said, you know, this game is about taking care of business, taking care of business, keeping focused and not having anybody get hurt. Right. You can't control the injury thing, but you can control the focus. And I think what struck me in this game is. Not only was it a, a just a masterful clinic on how to implement the um, the offense and the defense, right? But I think a game like this can do so much for the camaraderie and the morale of a team because not only did you come out and just put a beating down, but all the players who um, are the glue of the team who – put in work in practices and, and put in just as much time in the weight room as everyone else got a chance to play in the big house in front of their family, in front of their friends. And one of the things that um, we heard in the post game is that there was a lot of encouragement from their teammates. Hey, you need to get this person in. You need to give them a chance. And when they got in and were successful, you know, you could see that there's a real spirit in this team. Um, and, and that's not to be dismissed lightly. You know, when you think about what happened last year and how disappointing things were, um, we know as fans, we were disappointed. And when you saw the shuffling and the coaching staff, you don't know, you know, I always say it's making a cake. You don't know if the cake is going to rise. Right. And 
Yes, we're only a quarter of the way through the season, but a quarter of the way is a significant checkpoint. And right now, things look good. And, and I'll tell you, um, you know, I'd always say, you know, last couple of seasons, even when, you know, before last season, even when things were going well, I would say, well, I'm, I'm looking at the dashboard and I'm seeing warning lights everywhere, right? Right now, things look good. Uh, all, the, all the warning lights are off. Yeah, and another thing with the uh, with staff shakeup and an entire turnover on the defensive side of the ball, this early season success is huge because it establishes and kind of cements the the credibility of that coaching staff in the players' eyes. You know, when you went through spring ball and a fall camp, and a lot of this is new, and and we as fans all have question marks and are kind of cautiously optimistic or or some you know not not even optimistic at all before the season right all of that anxiety and and wonder about what was going to happen well now you're you're three games in and you've played well on both sides of the ball three times you've put up some big scores you've got third and fourth stringers playing their first games in the big house so your your point about morale is is spot on but but on top of morale and and players you know, being happy because they're getting in there and being happy for their teammates, you know, it establishes, you know, and reinforces the credibility that this coaching staff is is teaching you the right things to do. And and that gives that uh, coaching staff more flexibility to continue teaching new things going forward. And, and now they can start layering things on top uh, of the foundation that they've built and, and install new things and be more creative. So, um, it, it really does start to build and snowball in a positive way when you get it rolling. So I like uh, everything that I'm hearing from the players and from uh, from the coaching staff, the, the clips that we heard from Blake Corum and Jim Harbaugh. They're saying the right things. They're doing the right things. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think a couple podcasts ago we said we still need to see what this team does uh, when faced with adversity, and I think that, is still the key right now. That's the next thing that we need to see. But it's not uh, It's not Michigan's fault that they haven't had that adversity put into their face yet. It's not their job to, you know, provide their own adversity here. So um, beat the guys that are in front of you and, uh, you know, keep the ball rolling, and, and we'll see. But that's that's the next big question mark now is what, uh, what do the leaders of this team do when the first time that Michigan really – you know, starts taking a couple punches back in the mouth, and and they've got to pull themselves up and 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 really get into a dogfight because it's coming. You know, Big Ten season is is not going to be uh, nearly nearly the cakewalk that these first three games have been. One last thought on the running game: it was evident watching it live, and equally evident watching the replays. Not only did Michigan have some huge runs, but there were numerous times they were one hand away from breaking even more. And I think that was the thing that, that struck me. It's, you know, normally you, you know, you'd have one or two possibly big runs a game. They had some huge runs and they almost had more. So I I think that's speaks to the talent and the speed of Michigan's running backs. It also speaks to, as we said, the great job the offensive line was doing. Um, you know, one thing when we were talking about, you know, you made a great point about 
legitimizing the, the coaching staff, right, or cementing their where they are with the players. We heard last year, and you can you we were able to pick up and talking to players even in uh, spring and fall camp. There was a lot of unhappiness with the defensive approach last year, and again, I think it make you made a really good point that you know putting together a great performance kind of shows the players, hey, you're on the right way, you're on the right path. Um, you know, Jamon Green had. You know, awesome interception, you know, off a deflection, 27-yard return. And, you know, there was one play in particular um, watching Aiden Hutchinson where um, he forced uh, the quarterback out, Rocky Lombardi out, and then basically chased him down from behind and, and slammed him down. <laughs> and, and again, just, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is just a beast. He is just... Um, and again, yes, against inferior talent up to this point, but I think uh, he's definitely living up to his billing, and I'm really interested to see what he's going to be able to do because he seems to be gaining strength through these games. And uh, if, if he hasn't peaked yet, this could be a, a really stunning season for him. Yeah, and the challenge to the coaching staff is going to be how, how do you continue to be creative and, and use Aiden Hutchinson's you know advanced skill set and what he does best? How do you use that as a weapon against the offense, right? And and then the, the next thing is somebody else, the next guy along that defensive front has to start cashing in their opportunities when they're blocked one-on-one because we've seen this in the past. Once Michigan kind of identifies a, a dominant rusher, uh, whether it was Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary or Quiddy Pay last year, you know, when when offensive coaches start to adjust their protection scheme based on where the stud is, and they shift that way for double and even triple teams, then those other guys along the front have to be able to cash in that one-on-one blocking. They have to be able to get off the block. And, and get home to the quarterback and continue getting pressure. It cannot be just a one-man show because that will not uh, that won't get it done against the best teams in the Big Ten. You know, another thing that I was noticing when I was looking at the defensive stats is that, you know, Josh Ross is really quietly having a pretty great season, right? Just efficient, getting the job done, though leading the team with 23 tackles. Dax Hill is is living up to his billing. And, again, there's going to be a sterner test heading into the Big Ten. And, you know, we got Rutgers up. And, uh, you know, Michigan beat Rutgers last year, barely, in triple overtime. But, you know, Rutgers doesn't sweat Michigan, okay? And I think that's this is going to be a better test than many think. Um, you know, on the outside – and, you know, the other thing I was thinking is that even after these performances, I think, you know, Michigan is finally starting to crawl up in the national rankings. But there's still some skepticism there, right? There's skepticism among the fan base. But, you know, when you look and Michigan, you know, wallop somebody 63-10 to 10 and 3-0 and oh, and we're only 19 in the AP, right? And I think that that is the residual effects of not only last year, but 
you know, previous seasons all coming together where, you know, Michigan used to have the name recognition and the benefit of the doubt. Oh, Michigan will be a top 10 or a top 15 team. Listen, there was a reason Michigan was not ranked at the beginning of this season. And there are reasons that uh, even after three pretty dominant performances, we're only at 19. And they're going to have to stay focused and they're going to have to crawl up to uh, to regain the respect that we all want to see Michigan, you know, to have again. Yeah, and I, what I would add to that is that Michigan is going to have to do some things in this season and in the upcoming games that we haven't seen in the past few seasons. So if 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 we're all comfortable now saying that the program is back on the level that it was on before the pandemic. If we're just, if we're all just kind of agreeing to throw out the the crazy year of 2020 um, and that that those were legitimate problems, but were addressed with the off season moves uh, on the coaching staff and, and with the program and the culture and the scheme changes. So if we're back to that level of 2019, 2018, um, then those teams had also these these lingering issues that number one they had they struggled to play well on the road against teams of equal talent right your Penn State Wisconsin Iowa those those types of programs so I think you got to answer that question going forward uh, to to build more believers in the program both locally here and and nationally and then also you need these guys that are making big, big plays right now in in big blowout games, whether it's Blake Corum, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's Cade McNamara in the passing game, or defensively, your, your two best guys, Aiden Hutchinson, Dax Hill, um, or, or your other leaders like Josh Ross and Brad Hawkins. These guys need to step up and make big plays in high-leverage situations in big games. So hypothetically, in a couple weeks in Madison, there's there's going to be a, a big play that needs to be made, you know maybe maybe right after a turnover or a quick change, you know somebody's going to have to make a big play on that defense, and that is something that year over year you and I uh, continually talk about on these podcasts is that we when's the last time that Michigan had a guy that you knew was going to step up and, and have some magic at the right time, and and I think. To, to me, we haven't had that guy since Denard Robinson. You know, the the, the situation like uh, Under the Lights, the first version against Notre Dame, you know, just absolutely willing his team to victory, making big plays. Now, he, he doesn't do it on his own, and his teammates obviously are, are, are a huge part of that. But, but that guy, you know, led his team to victory multiple times with, you know, making big plays and key moments and bringing his teammates with him. And, and that is, is still to be seen if this team can do that. And again, they can't do it until they're in that spot. So I, I will reserve judgment as to whether they can or do until we see their opportunities. But I, I like, I like their chances. You know, I, I'll, I'll ride with Aiden Hutchinson in a situation like that, you know, but he can be double and triple teamed. And I think Dax Hill is plenty capable of being a guy like that, but he's got to do it. He's got to do it yeah, in a game. So um, that's the stuff that I'm the most excited about is that they've really 
they've really raised the floor and the ceiling of the expectation for me personally and i think for the rest of the the fan base and uh that's good because again these things tend to snowball and you can build some momentum week to week so i i I like where the team's at and where they're heading the other thing that i liked about the game against northern illinois is that as dominant as the running game was we did see the passing game being used and you know, you and I went back and forth a little bit on the Washington game. And, you know, there are a lot of people uh, within the program who said, listen, Michigan didn't have to pass and they didn't pass. And that's, you know, what they did against Washington. And, and my thought was, yeah, but I kind of want to see some, some reps of McNamara throwing the ball, right? And um, definitely it was interesting. I mean, he only played it. He only played a half. Okay. And I think Michigan got five or six quarterbacks in. So, you know, it definitely shows uh, that, you know, in in playing just a half, you know, eight for 11, 191 yards. And he had that long 87-yard reception, which was uh, the third longest play in in Michigan history, right, you know, to uh, um, Cornelius Johnson. So that was some excitement. And... You know, it was great to see J.J. McCarthy get in, you know, in early, you know, started off the second half with uh, getting in, and he was four for six, right? So, again, definitely good to see uh, both guys getting in. You know, when we talk about the difference in past seasons, okay, I'll tell you, one of the problems that I've had all through Harbaugh's tenure is that he would lock on one quarterback, and that was it, Right. And if that quarterback got knocked out which or injured, which happened almost every year, there was a huge drop-off because the second and third string uh, people at quarterback just didn't have enough reps in, in game time, right? So the difference I'm seeing this year is that we're seeing both Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy get reps in, you know, it during the games early in the season. And also a difference in the past is, Jim would lock on to one running back, right? Here's one running back. He's going to ride him in, until he breaks, right? And in this season, again, so far, albeit only a quarter of the way through, you know, we see Blake Corum and Hassan Hoskins and, you know, Donovan Edwards throwing his hat in the ring. So what what makes me feel good as I'm seeing a potential depth at critical positions that, I'm not confident in past seasons that we had demonstrated. Yeah, that's it's a great point. And I think the only thing that I would add in, uh, in regards to depth is that I, I mentioned this before, but it, it showed again. I'm very, very encouraged from uh, as a fan of the program, not just this year's team, that a lot of young guys are getting in there and getting playing experience in in key moments, you know, so this game turned into a blowout quickly, right? They, they were, they had scored 35 points at halftime. So you emptied the bench and that's great, but you know, you're still seeing guys that are freshmen, uh, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen playing uh, early in the first quarter and the second quarter and, and being contributors. You know, I, I've been very, very encouraged. Number one with RJ Moten at safety and, um, his play 
hasn't uh, he hasn't done anything above and beyond to really have a, a high impact uh, on a game yet. But his ability to step in and be solid at safety is what has freed up Daxton Hill to go into that kind of peppers nickel role where he's up close to the line of scrimmage and can be a more impact player. So you almost have to give an assist to R.J. Moten and his uh, step forward in this last offseason, his ability to become a, a, a starter or, or, you know, kind of the 12th guy, if you want to say, you know, he's not technically a starter. Um, but his ability to step in and hold his own in just his second year, to unlocking Daxton Hill as a weapon on this defense. So, uh, and that situation is going to show in multiple places. You know, uh, Nakai Hill Green stepping up and taking that second uh, linebacker position. Right, I think I think he legitimately beat out you know a guy with two years of starting experience in, in Michael Barrett, and uh, has done a, a great job as a second year player. And uh, behind him is a true. In a defense that, you know, really came from, you know, the Baltimore Ravens and and is at least based on an NFL scheme. This guy was playing high school this time last year. So those guys that are getting in and cutting their teeth right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, at a young age, you know, that's that's not something that we saw previously with the previous staff. And I think it's great this year that they're getting that experience and, and learning on the job. But it really, really is uh, encouraging for the program. The last time, the only player I remember thinking like that in the recent past was Devin Bush when he came out as a sophomore and just flashed immediately uh, as a superstar. I was like, man, he's going to be really good for the next two full seasons. And I think we're seeing that right now in this defense at uh, from three or four or even five guys uh, at all three levels of the defense, and that's that's exciting stuff. The other thing that that does is that's kind of uh, uh, helps with recruiting, right? Young guys can say, can you know, recruits can look and say, hey, I can come to Michigan, I can be in the rotation. So, again, lots of good stuff. And, again, only a quarter of the way through the season – but I would rather be 3-0 and and wonder how good we are than uh, have uh, one or two in the loss column and, and hoping that things weren't as bad as they appeared. Um, you know, still have some flashbacks from last season. Uh, and, you know, it was interesting. Um, you know, again, Rocky Lombardi, Michigan fans have some bad memories of him coming into the big house last season with Michigan state and pulling off the upset. This one was never in question, never in doubt. And it was definitely nice to see Michigan just dominate from beginning to end. And you know what, this is exactly what they needed to do. Exactly what they uh, had to do against a, you know, a second tier opponent. But um, again, after last season, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I expected, but but again, I, I had concerns. So it's nice to see the team cruising, and again, things are going to get tougher. But uh, you know, all indications are there are reasons to have hope moving forward. And a, a couple things in the you know 
in terms of strength of schedule and we're, we're three teams are really bad and they, they might be really bad teams, but you know, Western went to Pittsburgh and beat an ACC team uh, yesterday. Um, this Northern Illinois team beat Georgia Tech, another ACC team in week one. Georgia Tech went to the wire, you know, to the very last second at the goal line with Clemson yesterday. And, uh, you know, Washington got off the snide yesterday against their, you know, first lower, uh, against another lower tier team and, and finally looked like they, they put together a functional offense. So, uh, you know, those three teams that Michigan has done this to um, are certainly uh, a, a talent a step behind uh, from what we can see. But uh, especially that Western Michigan team, it's going to be interesting to see what the final strength of schedule looks like when we go back and view what this first quarter uh, looks like and, and who this team, this Michigan team is, because it, we might not be saying that those three teams are, are, are all, you know, uh, you know, such weak programs uh, once we're into uh, late October and November. And just a reminder, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast host of choice, iTunes, Pandora, Spotify. If you subscribe on iTunes, please leave us a rating. And that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.